Great. It's great to be back here. I was here in August, I think, a year ago. I'm not sure if some of you were here for that and I was sharing about some of the mapping work that I do, but I, I was in um, UGA at the geography department working on a master's degree 2004, and um, that's where I met Chet and started coming to One Hope, and um, through, uh, through the mapping work I, and through different influences at One Hope and different books I was reading, missions started to come onto my heart, and I was thinking, you know, how can I, what can I do? How can I be a part of it? And I'm not sure what that may mean for me, and I found out that some people were using technology and maps to encourage the church, you know, to show what's going on in the world, how, how can we pray for the world, where, where is this country that we hear about in the news, and what's this country all about, and, you know, what's the, what are the religions there, and, um, in the missions world, there's there's people that kind of have the uh, they're on the statistical mapping kind of numbers people that that try to put out information, and then you um, you bring that together with prayer and with stories from the missions field, and you kind of have a, a neat complete picture about what, what God's doing in the world. So I was um, one of the uh, Main um, main books that that I picked up here, and it was in the back at One Hope, is Operation World, and it tells about each country of the world and and what's going on and how we can pray. So, One Hope was definitely a big part of you know my journey going through school and and leading into missions, and uh, thankful for that, and thankful for y'all's continued support of of our ministry work. So we appreciate that. Um, I've I've got a few slides, some things that um, when I was looking back through some maps I've done over the last year, a few themes that could be good to kind of address and, and talk about related to missions. So it's just going to, hopefully you'll be able to see some of them on the screen. If not, we may be able to, you know, put the PowerPoint online. You can check out some of the details later because some, sometimes they're a little bit detailed. But when we, when we were in worship and uh, we, were, we were singing uh, one of the songs, I noticed that in the book, uh, in the song book, there was the uh, verse from Revelation uh, 5.12 that says... Um, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And, and, I, and I remember that verse, and I remember a few verses back, um, starting with Revelation 5, 9, it says, And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God, and from every tribe and language and people and nation, and you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. And I think that's just a, a beautiful picture and revelation of that the kingdom of God is, <laughs> is so much bigger than one language and one people group, that God is a global God, and heaven is going to be a global celebration of everyone worshiping Jesus from every tribe and language and people and nation. So through, through some graphics and some information, I just want to kind of touch on, on that theme today and, and what, what's going on in the world and how we can be praying. This is me and Becca, maybe if you go on back, in our hometown now in Colorado Springs. So I've been there since 2007. That's a park there. And um, I studied at UGA uh, and finished that in 2006. So we like to get outside a lot, take hikes, explore create God's creation there. So in the summer, we kind of come alive in the summertime. We like to get out and when it's a little bit warmer. We haven't skied a ton, but we, we may get more into that. But some of our friends are, are, you know, they really come alive in the winter and they're up on the slopes like every other weekend or every weekend. And 
we're we're uh, we're more of the hiking, you know, stay on our feet kind of people. But um, this is Rocky Mountain National Park. You were just there, right? Yeah. So um, just starting off with a few pictures of some Colorado scenery. So this is like eleven thousand seven hundred feet. So it's pretty high. No tree. We're above the tree line there, and there's no trees growing kind of where you're standing. It's kind of like a tundra, and um, there's a little. There's a staircase that leads up to the top of a, a mountain peak there, and <clears throat> Beck and I started going up it, and everybody was moving kind of slow, so we were moving, and about two minutes in, we were thinking, okay, this is high elevation, and we slowed down very quickly, and it, I was just taking one step at a time trying to make it to the top of this little lookout, but I, I grew up in South Carolina, went to school in Georgia, so I think I'm still adjusting to the altitude, <laughs> but... <laughs> Uh, this is a few weeks ago, some of the fall colors, the aspen trees, um, about 45 minutes from our house. So. Um, this is a verse that, that stuck out to me. Another, uh, there's a few other people in missions that do mapping, and we've kind of we run across each other and, and connect. And um, this verse from Acts says, uh, The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. <clears throat> Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. There's a lot in this passage and it's just encouraging that God knows the nations. He knows where they live. He knows their time and history, and um, he's seeking after them in different ways. Um, I think I'm going to hit on like three themes, and maybe for the open time we can kind of pray, pray about these. Uh, the first one is migration. Um, <clears throat> let's see. This is actually, you know, a couple of verses. This verse in uh, Revelation 7 is a, a few chapters later, and it has the same theme. Do you want to hit that next one? Um, and, um, you know, in the, you know, just a few chapters after the one I found in Revelation 5 this morning. So, um, again, that after this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing right throat robes and were holding palm branches in their hand and they cried out in a loud voice salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the lamb so there's there's uh you know heaven is going to be a global party and right now the globe is there's people moving around all the time and there's people coming from different cultures different um, nations into America people moving from America overseas uh you know, the stats on migration, people are moving for work, people are moving for school, people move for fleeing persecution. And as Christians, it's something for us to, to be aware of. You know, how, how can we welcome the uh, foreigner amongst us, uh, as it says in the Old Testament, the, the people that, you know, don't have a, a, a family or a group of friends or, you know, they're, they're new. You know, how can we share the love of Jesus with, with people who come into our midst from somewhere else? Um, if you want to hit that... Uh, Operation World quote. <clears throat> I decided to make a few maps of Europe. I don't know if anyone has an interest in Europe here or has been to Europe or um, likes the history there, but this is the book Operation World, and I work with this team, and um, I, I decide, I, I'll kind of read something or I'll see a news clip and then start blogging about it and, and make some maps and um, try to 
you know, raise awareness of, of different things that are going on in the world. So in, in Europe itself, uh, Jason and his team wrote that immigration into Europe is an unstoppable tide of humanity from Africa, the Middle East, Asia, and Eastern Europe. The plunging birth rates in EU countries and the affluence, stability, and generous social services in Europe are factors that pull in immigrants, many of whom are coming from countries where conflict rages. And we see this as a effect of, you know, with with wars that are going on in the Middle East and, um, and, and you know, Syria and Iraq and other places, Libya, that oftentimes people will flee to where they can find a job or they can find uh, a good uh, a government that will, that will help, you know, take care of their needs. So this is the, so if you go to the next one, this is the kind of stuff I do. I kind of <clears throat> take data and try to, try to visualize it and, you know, it kind of goes from a, technical data side to graphic design and you know how do we make this this information speak a little bit it's probably hard to see here but this is just a, a type of map where you color in a country by if it's a darker color it represents more of a particular thing and um, <clears throat> these are applications for asylum over the first eight months of this year and you can a lot of people have been moving into western Europe where the economy is um, you know there's more opportunities there especially Germany Sweden and France um, you want to go to the next one? Um, <clears throat> this is a map. I don't know it, how many of you follow global news. Um, Beck and I really enjoy uh, watching the world news a lot. I, I think I sometimes know more about what's going on in the world than the U.S. at times. But <laughs> I don't know. Um, <clears throat> this was a map um, <clears throat> earlier this year that I didn't make, but the U.N. made. But sometimes we see these images on the news and these people are in the boats and they're heading over to uh, across the Mediterranean and they're going to like these countries at the top, Spain and Italy and Greece. And 800 people this year have, have died at sea in, the, in these boats. They're not really seaworthy. They're not really made for the number of people that are put on them. And they're coming from like the red countries over there, Syria and Iraq and, you know, Egypt. And... <clears throat> You know, it's, it's a challenge for governments and for the church to, to work with governments on how can we care for these people, what can we do on either side of the, of the uh, either where they're coming from or where they're going, and, um, you know, be a, help, help provide for them whether, whether they've landed or, you know, try to meet their needs where they are before, before they have to risk their lives at sea. Um, we were just in London a few weeks ago for, for some different things. And, you know, as we're talking about migration, I don't know if any of you have been to London or Paris or a big European city, but you see so many different peoples and languages spoken there. This is at Trafalgar Square a couple of weeks ago, and everybody's crisscrossing. And there's such opportunities in these places to reach people with the gospel um, <clears throat> because you often get people that are out of their context, and maybe you can share with them or they can come to a church in London or Paris that they, if they lived in Saudi Arabia or Pakistan, it would be a little bit harder. So these are strategic places. Um, I think I'm going to skip that one. And then we can bring it home a little bit. I was thinking, well, these are places all over the world. What's, who's coming to the United States? So I kind of dove into some census data. I kind of like working with spreadsheets. I don't know if the, some people hate spreadsheets, but I kind of like finding a spreadsheet and somehow matching up to these maps, but especially living in a college town, this would be relevant. But in the U.S., according to the, you know, just census estimates, 
Um, these are the countries that all the people that moved to the U.S. have come from that they can estimate clearly. And there's probably about 40 million people here in the United States that were born somewhere else, which is a, a pretty decent big percentage. And um, the top one is a little hard to read over there, but the top one is Mexico with 11 million. So that's like a 25% of the people who were born somewhere else that live in the U.S. came from Mexico. But I was surprised to see that there's like five Latin American countries over there with Cuba is, very, is pretty high with over a million, El Salvador, Guatemala, and Dominican Republic. And then the other top five are Asian countries, uh, China, Philippines, <clears throat> India is the top Asian country, Vietnam, and Korea. So I, it's, uh, we started, I started diving into the data a little bit, and you can even... I'm not sure how they estimate this, but even get like your census tract, it's kind of like your neighborhood. And we looked at our neighborhood in Colorado Springs, and there was people that spoke different languages, some people from uh, maybe two or three from Ukraine or ten from Iran. And, you know, you're just going back and forth to the grocery store. It looks, it's a normal American neighborhood, but there's, there's people in our midst that, you know, are, have come from another place. And it's a, it's a great opportunity to reach them uh, with the gospel through, through the local church or reaching out to them in our neighborhoods. And this was just an eye-opener to me about, you know, you hear the U.S. is a melting pot, but there's, uh, there's some kind of cool data to back that up. And I'm sure you all have stories from, you know, <clears throat> those of you who are students and meeting international students at, at school and what countries they may come from and, you know, <clears throat> bridging the cultural gap there. And, yeah, I'm sure you could, you could talk a a lot on that and about your experiences. Ebola. Um, that's topic number two. So we had migration. These are some things that came up. So we've heard about the Ebola virus and the three countries that have been most affected in West Africa are these top three, Guinea and Liberia and Sierra Leone. And it's a, it's a tragic virus that there's not a, a cure for right now. And, you know, they're working on, on the vaccines and some uh, people have come over to the United States and have survived it by having some experimental drugs, um, vaccines. But these countries, I started thinking about what, what are Guinea and Liberia and Sierra Leone like? And like how, how can the church learn a little bit more about these three countries? And I mean, you can see that um, the, the, white air, the white bars are how many um, cases there are, and then the dark blue bars are how many deaths there are. So um, like in Liberia, there's 6,800 6, cases and over 2,800 people, people died from it. So, you know, that's, that's a third of the people who contracted it. And um, so uh, I, I heard the story. Maybe you all heard the story. I saw a Samaritan's Purse um, uh, flyer over there about the missionary who worked with Samaritan's Purse. And um, in some of these countries, the... The Christian hospitals or the mission hospitals are the ones that are providing a lot of the health care because the, the government can't quite, you know, keep up with it. And uh, the Dr. Kent Brantley um, contracted Ebola <clears throat> along with another missionary. I think she was with SIM, I believe. And they were just giving their lives serving on the front line. And, um, you know, they came down with the disease. And I think they flew back to uh, Emory in, in Atlanta. And they were um, miraculously through these through prayer and God healing them and trying out these, these new vaccines, or actually when a vaccine at that point, a new treatment, you know, they were healed. And I, I don't have the video with me, but there's a great video of him, you know, sharing his testimony and, and how we can be praying for, for these countries. And 
for more healthcare workers to, and uh, for the scientists to come up with a vaccine soon. So I was thinking, I was wanting to kind of understand these. A lot of these times when I'm making these maps, I'm learning myself. You know, I'd like to, I'm like, you know, I, I have to. I'm trying to figure out what's going on in these places too. So Guinea is the largest country of those three, and this is in the western tip of Africa. It's majority Islam. I didn't know that. Um, it's 7% ethnic religions, which is kind of like different um, traditions that have gone on for a long time and animist um, religions, and it's only 4.5% Christian. So those are those little boxes up there. Uh, Sierra Leone is mostly uh, Muslim as well, 63%, and 23% uh, ethnic religions. And then Liberia is kind of half and half, 42% ethnic 41% Christian. So Liberia actually has the highest Christian percentage, but none of those countries are over 50% Christian. And um, the church definitely has an opportunity there. Um, and the people serving, you know, just um, <clears throat> are very sacrificial that are, uh, that are serving there. And um, <clears throat> they definitely warrant our prayers and, and, our, and our support for such a tough... And, and it's, it's a testament to the church because all the global news is you know, fixed on this. So, and they see Christians that are, are serving and building hospitals and giving their lives there. It just you know, glorifies the name of Jesus. Uh, you're going to hit the next one. I don't have the video, but if you ever want to pray through some of these countries, this website here is called PrayerCast, and they're kind of partnered. They're a separate group in the operational world, but they, they share information. But it's a great way to um, look at a nation and hear somebody from that nation praying and talking about the nation and seeing the, the landscapes and the people and the religion. So I find that really effective to kind of give it, to have a voice um, to what's going on in, in those nations. And then the last thing is a uh, last theme that was kind of come across my mind a few days ago when I was putting this together is persecution. And if you want to flip the next slide back, um, there's a group called Open Doors that I made maps with. I'm not sure if you've heard of them. There's a few groups out there that support the persecuted church, Open Doors, Voice of the Martyrs, and, and some of the others. And the verse that they highlight, I just picked this out from their annual report, is that if one member suffers from 1 Corinthians 12:26. All suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. And this has just been a burden for me, and um, personally, you know, hearing about people that are suffering for their faith. Because, you know, we don't suffer in America like like some people do. Although, you know, at times it, it is, you know, there is a lot of social and backlash even here in America for sure, and it's not always easy. Um, so this verse here, you know, if, if we hear about our brothers and sisters that are suffering over in the world, um, you know, as First uh, Corinthians say, that it's almost as if we're all suffering together and we can support them through prayers and, and other ways. And this next map I made, and they, they try to map out where Christians are uh, suffering each year and how that changes. And the uh, top ten, you know, coming into 2014 was... Places I'm sure you've heard about, um, North Korea, Somalia, Syria, Iraq, Afghanistan, Saudi Arabia, the Maldives, Pakistan, Iran, and Yemen. And um, this is something I kind of have printed out in my office. And um, these are key countries. I mean, 
this in terms of where the church is growing as well. I mean, there's heavy persecution in, in these countries, but oftentimes that even you know brings believers together, and that you know is almost a refinement process which um, <clears throat> the church can grow under. And um, let's see. So, um, <clears throat> does anybody know where the Maldives is? Well, it's on the map, so yeah. <laughs> But there's two island states. So the Maldives is a chain of islands down there south of India, and it's the majority Muslim. I was looking at a map, and it's everybody's really crammed on, you know, a few islands. I mean, there's not much space. I think even the, um, you know, there's like one main island where the capital is, and then there's a lot of resorts there too. A lot of people vacation there from that side of the world. But it is in the top ten for Christian persecution because. Um, it's, you know, 99% Muslim, pretty much. Um, Comoros is an island off the coast of Tanzania where um, I've been talking with Chet and Rachel about their their plans uh, and One Hope's plans in in Tanzania. And Tanzania is on the list in the top 50. Um, uh, Kenya and then Somalia. So, you know, we hear about, you know, even just a, a terrorist event uh, a few days ago with the, with the bus attack in Kenya. So, you know, this is a regional issue um, where even though they're nations apart, that different, um, <clears throat> different levels of persecution and different people, you know, move pretty freely uh, among these borders. But it's interesting how this kind of persecution cluster is kind of there in the, if you've heard of the 1040 window, it's, it's pretty much mirroring that. And um, let's see. Let's go to the next one. Um, those are kind of the three themes I kind of wanted to bring up. Um, maybe talking about a few things that uh, are resources for you all. Um, the ministry partners that I work with. Um, Cardo Mission down there, this logo is uh, it's kind of the platform that I can, uh, the, through which I operate and serve different organizations. And, and then some of the ministry partners are, if you flip... Um, I mentioned Operation World. Um, that's that country-by-country country guide to the nations. They have a Facebook page that I've been managing. So if you want uh, countries' information on how to pray, um, I'm helping manage that and trying to pretty close to daily. Um, they have a daily calendar. Get out a prayer point. And often, so if you like that page and that comes into your feed, um, you know, sometimes that may be one of the few like missions inputs that's kind of in the people's Facebook feeds I'm thinking of. So we're seeing like sports and cats and baby pictures and then you know you've got, oh let's pray for Thailand and it can seem like different from what is maybe in your feed or your friends feeds but I think it's there's actually 26,000 followers which you know my page has like 100 so I was thinking that that's pretty good for Operation World so um Graciously, they've kind of asked me to help, you know, manage that and send out prayer points for each day because there's a calendar in the book about how you can pray each day. And then I think I want to throw on some some maps as to maps too. While I kind of in charge of, I guess I could do that and um, have have maps as pictures and ways that people can pray. So that's been fun. That's probably been the last couple of months that I've gotten involved with that. And um, this is a new resource that I worked on with them. They basically took the thousand-page book and shrunk it down to like 350 pages, which is better if, if you want to get through it 
more if you want to get through it quickly. And um, some of the countries are more up to date. And it's called Pray for the World. So most of the information is from the 2010 edition, but where countries have changed a lot, like Libya and Iraq, and you know South Sudan's a new country that's been updated. So look for that in the spring. Um, and I was able to do the maps for that. So that was a really really fun project. The other key partner is Joshua Project. Um, I would say if you're interested in a country, you can look at Operation World's website, and then Joshua Project's website will tell you about the languages that people speak and the people groups and show you some pictures. You know, if, we, if you want to pray for what's going on in northern Nigeria, you can look up those people groups there, and there's a picture of them. It tells you what their beliefs are like and what they do for a living usually and what their customs are and how you can pray. So... They're based in Colorado Springs, so there are some guys that I um, meet with a good bit and um, make maps for. If you want to do that next one, this this map will be in the Operation World book, but it's where are the most number of unreached peoples, people that haven't really heard the gospel before. And India has over 2,000 unreached peoples. Now, this is depending on how you classify it, but there's so many languages in India, and then there's caste in India. So you may speak the same language, but you're, you might be an un, part of the Dalits, so the untouchable caste, or you, um, there's different stratas of society. So the, those are considered different people groups because the gospel doesn't really travel through them from very easily. It kind of stops at that people group. So this is for church planning and the people that want to go in and say, we want to reach a certain group in this country. They look at things like the Joshua Project data to see where can we find a group that is um, homogeneous enough for the gospel to, to spread throughout that group. So the top ten are, you know, India. Mostly it's Asia, but United States is up there, and that's not Americans. Uh, you know, traditional, you know, people who speak English, you know, that have lived in America four or five generations. It's yeah, uh, people that have moved to America. Um, so they're not indigenous groups to America, but... They're living in America, so they estimate there's at least 95 different groups in America who are unreached with the gospel. That may be, um, you know, Urdus from Pakistan or uh, the Mandarin from China that have moved here, but um, they're definitely in need of the gospel. And this is the last thing. This is my Facebook page I started a few months ago, so if you want to add to the number of likes, that would be great. And... um, I, I post all the maps that I put on my website on the Facebook page. So Becca's kind of helped me with that. She, with her <clears throat> ministry and to young girls, she's all savvy with Facebook and Instagram, and <clears throat> she always has better things to say than I do. Like if, I, I, if you post a picture, I, I have the hardest trouble coming up with a good caption. But Becca's fast. Becca's fast with that. Um, let me see if there was anything else in my notes. I think that basically covers what what I wanted to talk about. Um, um, just to give you all an update and, and thank you for your continued support and um, talk about these themes. Uh, Chad, I don't know what how things are going to look for the rest of the service, but if we wanted to pray about migrants, if we wanted to pray about West Africa or church persecution, um, if that's on anyone's heart or however you work that that time. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, Operation World tries to get at that in two ways. They'll have a Christian percentage, people that self-identify. So a lot of Europe or where we were in England um, is a pretty high percentage of Christian because they consider themselves cultural Christians. But then there's another figure 
and this is all all estimates, as we know, um, of they were called evangelical Christian. Uh, you could use the term born again, people that believe in Jesus as their Savior, the people that are committed to, um, you know, the truth of the Bible, and you know, and they want to live a kingdom-minded lifestyle, tell the p- other people about Jesus, worship together. That that's more of their evangelical figure. So I didn't have any stats on that on this presentation, but yeah, that's in their in their book. So you can kind of see like a maybe a 90% Christian in a certain country, but then 15% evangelical from what they would estimate. So, and then I think that can always be improved too. Um, one of the best ways is, is doing survey research. And, you know, there's some social scientists out there who study sociology and, are, um, <clears throat> and, and try, try to get at some of those questions, you know, how often do you go to church or... You know, we can't really quantify our faith, but we know we we know what the what the truth of the of the scripture says, and how we get at that with a hard number is often difficult. But it's great to get the overall picture. And then my favorite thing is to talk to missionaries and these groups, like talk to people on the ground, and what what's it like to plant a church in your country. Um, and hear the real stories of, of, of transformation that get just kind of past the, the figures and in, in, in the encouraging stories. So the kids are upstairs, you know, and they're, they call it a child-friendly spaces that they're making in, in Iraq that, um, that these kids who have flown, uh, um, <clears throat> uh, fled from like Mosul to Erbil, which is a, a little more... Um, stable place in the Kurdish region and they're giving them, the kids a place to get away from the horrors of war or maybe they've had to leave and they've witnessed violence and they can just play games and draw pictures and listen to music and eat snacks and um, <clears throat> so the, that organization is one of the things they're doing besides supplying aid is just to create a designated supervised areas where children can go simply to be children and that's just encouraging that there's Christians on the ground, there's people from overseas that have decided that, you know, for these kids who have left this area and um, witnessed the horrors of war, that they can, like, be upstairs and find a place to be kids and be discipled. So um, there's, there's, great, there's great stories out there I could point you to, to where as we hear these, these stats and information, we, we can always know that God's working and, and we can be the hands and feet and encourage those who are, who are doing that. So... Yeah, thanks for letting me share, and and, um, thanks for your prayers.